Welcome to the London Property Podcast, your go-to source for navigating the complex and ever-changing London real estate market. Our digital marketplace provides informative and educational content from industry leaders through podcasts and videos. We cover various aspects of the real estate experience, including buying and selling, finance, law, tax, construction, design, and more. Join us as we delve into the latest trends and developments in the market and gain valuable insights from our panel of experts. Hello and welcome to the London Property Podcast, the home of Superprime. I am your host, Farnaz Fazaipur, and today we are in conversation with Chaim Aida. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, Chaim is a property finance expert with nearly two decades of experience in the industry. He co-founded his own business in 2004, specializing in providing customized finance solutions for a wide range of property sectors. With a strong network of both institutional and private lenders, Chaim brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to the table. You also hold a law degree, Chaim, yeah. and an LLM from uh, Southampton University. So let's dive into the world of property finance with you, Chaim. And I'm going to start with the fact that you never say no and you always find a solution. So let's go uh, with our first question here, which is what is the difference between mortgages and bespoke finance? In principle, the difference between the two is as follows. I could summarize in two words. It's the analysis of how the banks look at the deal and the flexibility. And what do I mean by that? In my word, we deal with specialist property teams within the banks where the focus is on the deal and not at the borrower as much. Yes, we always get a better picture of what the borrower is like, his background, experience, but it is not personal financial uh, position, annual salaries and the lack of these information that uh, any other mortgage, a mortgage or BTL lender would look for. Therefore, the scope of doing things is different than the standard uh, BTL providers. Uh, when I say flexibility, they would come uh, with fixed products. Uh, and in my words, there's no product. You could do everything depending on the deal, depending on the borrower, and you can restructure things to suit. It's all bespoke finance at the end of the day. And you could have the same deal, different borrowers, different needs, and different finances for the same property, same cash flow, all depending uh, on the borrower's needs and where he sits on the financial circle. So would it be fair to say that uh, the borrowers tend to be property professionals? Most cases, yes. Most cases, yes. Yes, they know exactly what they're looking for and they know what they want to achieve and we tailor the finance to suit their needs. So when we say that you you look at... Uh, all types of uh, property financing, that means commercial, residential, uh, warehousing, whatever it is. As you say, you would look at the business proposition and see how that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So um, we've been in a world of uh, interest rises, which, you know, for uh, many years, we've had really, really low interest interest uh, uh, payments to, to have to think about in this market. Where do you think the market is heading with that? 
Well, it's not really what I think. It's what we hear. It's difficult to predict. Uh, if you listen to uh, economists, uh, I've been attending some chief economists' uh, presentations, and it's only by predictions. The problem in this particular time is that the predictions are based on unknown factors, mainly political. So it's very difficult to predict what's going to happen. But the word in the market is simple. We are nearing the peak, and we believe there will be maybe another hike. And then from there on, it's, the curve is going to change, and it's going to go downwards. From what I understand, it's not going to go back to what it was where we started, but it's heading down. And uh, as, we look, as we see at the moment, uh, we're talking about mild recession. Uh, so we're nearing the peak. And from, from where you're sitting, how do you think that's impacted the property market? Well, again, in my case, it is less inf influential, if I can put it this way, because I deal with investors that adapt themselves to what the market is. So if interest rates go up, um, usually it would be set, you know, offset by price reductions. They tend to get properties, change them, change their use and make a different value. So it doesn't really... It doesn't really impact. It's not, again, it's back to the BTL and mortgage. It's not, it doesn't have the same impact. Uh, don't forget before the financial crisis in 2008, base rate was 5% and it was booming. Uh, there's always something to do in, in England, in London, England. Couldn't agree more. I always say it's, 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 it's not... It's not about where is the market at. It's about what opportunities the what market opportunity, giving the you now. Opportunities are there, and if you're an investor, you would know what you're doing. And if you were to advise clients now about how to navigate the market, you know, because people are presumably considering: should I refinance? Should I go to fix? Should I stay on variable? You know, what would be your advice to people at this point? Well, again, it's a tricky question to ask because a I can't advise anyone. Uh, I'm not regulated, and in order to advise someone, you need to know the entire financial position of your client. I'm not in that business. I procure finance. My clients know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they want to achieve, and they need the money. That's it. Go and find me the money. So it's not for me to advise anyone. My, my, really, my real advice would be just, just follow the, uh, the you know, market comments, the news, and make your own uh, decision of where things are going to go by listening to economists, reading articles. Again, each deal is different, each client is different, the financial needs are different, and for one client who's sitting on a lot of cash, for example, if rates went up a bit, you know, even by 2%, big deal, there's no point to fix. Whereas others, if they're tight, they might consider fixing. So it doesn't really affect, again, in my business, I wouldn't advise, I can't advise and I wouldn't advise anyone what to do. It's really up to them. They can ask me what the indications in, in the market are and I could uh, come back with indications. But otherwise, it's entirely up to the client. Okay. Um, so would you say that the finances that you seek, being so bespoke, um, are not really set products or... You start with set products and then you there kind of... No products. There's no product. It's, right, it's not right. Products are the usual mortgages, BTLs, 
they've got each lender comes up with three, four products and it's fixed, it's rigid, this is what it is, that's what we can do. If you fall into the rubrics, then fine. If not, sorry, we can't help you. Whereas in my case, it's all different. And then uh, is there a, a big difference in um, what is available when it comes to onshore and offshore? Uh, again, in my world, you could play with onshore and offshore. That is not a stumbling block, although across the board, uh, compliance is uh, quite difficult today. And if someone has a structure, uh, he has to justify himself, you know, the need for that structure, uh, whether it's worth it, because the uh, compliance and the account opening procedure would be quite um, difficult or lengthy. So, but otherwise, that doesn't impact the deal. Right. The, fi the finance, if I could put it this way, whether it is the deal is onshore or offshore, doesn't really impact the deal. It's only to get the finance that may take longer period because of the complexity of the, of, you know, of the structure, but otherwise it shouldn't make any impact on the actual finance. And I guess, you know, depending, as you say, on, on people's structures, uh, for some people, it's probably a, a tax decision whether they're onshore or offshore. Most cases today, yeah. If you, could, if you could hide behind it a few years ago, you can't anymore. So from what I can see, it's only tax, inheritance, inheritance tax, uh, if there are trusts in place for the family. So it's mainly inheritance tax now. Otherwise, it doesn't justify the cost. Uh, and the um, Via de Rosa, the one has to go in order to get finance. And you obviously have a very strong network of, of lenders, um, institutional and private lenders. So for our listeners just so that they can understand the sorts of things you can help them with. Uh, just give us a glimpse of what does that look like from, you know, bridging loans to uh, development loans to, you know, just, just, just well, a little we, bit. We, we, cover, we cover all types of finance across the board. It could be, as you said, it could be bridging. I've got bridges that I work with, with a very commercial way of thinking. Uh, and as a bridges, you've, you really have to be uh, very flexible and, and understand the market. And, and obviously understand the market because we've got to take views on many, on many things, many aspects. Uh, and there are, in recent years, there have been a lot of bridging companies coming up, but they're more institutionalized. And I'm trying to target those who are more uh, family offices, people who can take a view, understand property. And be and act fast. And act fast. Everyone has to know, have to work. That that's bridging. But you've got you've got to be you've got to have a wider angle, uh, the way your project deals. But yeah, we've got that. Obviously, investments, um, uh, development loans, hotel finance. Uh, we restructure. I've got clients, for example, that uh, built up a portfolio within the years, and they've got BTL lenders. For each property, there's another BTL lender and you just take the, everything and consolidate into one pack with a commercial uh, lender. Uh, it could be high street, it could be anything, insurance company, it could be a building society, uh, a private bank. And do you think that um, to get a more competitive deal, it's all about matching the investor profile to the lender 
having a lot of experience and reach within that sector. It is very important. It's not just that. It's matching the lender to the investor means that it's the attitude as well of the of the uh, of the borrower. Some borrowers can be messy, and I wouldn't I wouldn't take them to a certain lender because I know that down the line there may be problems clashes clashes. Therefore, it's very important to look at the um, type of the investor, know him as well, understand how he operates, and then try to bring in a lender A that obviously would we could tell at the deal that he wants, but be that the, both parties would match. Very important. People people don't pay that to that attention, but I make sure that I lo- I I try to look ahead, understand the client. Most most of my clients I know anyway. I know who could be messy and who is very uh, particular with his papers, uh, and this way I can match the parties and avoid any potential clashes because things could go difficult, especially if it is development finance. Then everything can come up in the duration during the term of the loan. It's a short loan, but even in in you know long term, it can happen as well. When a client wants to change something or miss the payment, usually it doesn't happen. I haven't come across that for a long time, but uh, things may change. And um, don't forget that clients have to have a duty to report on an annual basis on the business or on the property. And they've got to be particular with the uh, with the papers. And some of them you have to chase and you have to after the lenders, uh, find the lenders that understand that and can you know, take the time and say, okay, fine, no problem. Give me, they give you the time and then you go and get the information. A lot of them you will find, a lot of the investors you find, they understand investments. But when it comes to paperwork, you've got to sit on them. The human element is really can't be underestimated in, in, in the very world of important. real estate. It is huge. Very important. It is huge. Very important. So when would you say um, is a good time for borrowers to start thinking about reviewing? How, how close to the end of their term, let's say, they should start reviewing their situation and looking for alternatives and, you know, what are the steps they should be taking? So if somebody's listening to us now and they're thinking, okay, when shall I, you know... Stop thinking I tend, about it. I, I tend to speak to clients a year before expiry uh, for two reasons. A, it gives them some time to think. Uh, that, that people think, well, a year is a long time, but it is not. Time flies very quickly. Uh, it, takes, it does take time today. If you were to move to another lender, it does take time. The procedure, especially a first deal with a, with a new lender, takes time. Uh, things can come up uh, and even if you offer, overshoot the expiry date you don't overshoot it by you know so long that you know it could irritate the, the bank who's waiting for you know to be repaid for the redemption but uh, it does take time things change all the time and it, it is important to start engaging a year before already talking about what uh, the clients would like to do in most cases, if the clients are happy and the banks are happy, it's not a big deal. We don't have to move if, if there are other, other good deals around. Just uh, renew the deal with the bank, with the existing lender. That's easier, cheaper, quicker.
And before we thank you so much for your time and say goodbye to you, um, there is one other thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which is obviously when you're coming to a point of uh, getting a new new borrowing in place, you're dealing with valuations. And, you know, there was a time where we as agents always expected these valuers to be 10% off. Is that relationship something that um, has changed over time. So what I'm trying to ask is how close is the market to bank valuations? Is is it is it at a par or is is the bank valuation always going to be more conservative? I don't think there is a, a tendency to lower valuations because it's a bank valuation. Uh, don't forget, again, that's the difference between BTL, going back to the first question, BTL and uh, uh, bespoke finance. Here we do have a conversation with a with a valuer. We tend the banks tend to give us the opportunity to to uh, choose any value on the panel. Then we tend to choose a valuer that a the quote is good and we know him, as brokers know him, and we can have a conversation. So if there are any surprises, a we would know it before the valuation hits the you know. The bank's de- desk, and we we could have a conversation. Whereas in BTLs, you don't get to speak, you get you don't get to see the value, you don't even know these value valuation teams. Uh, I come across names that I've never heard of when it comes to BTLs. Uh, so to say that the tendency is to lower valuations, I wouldn't say so. Uh, usually, uh, they come come roughly with the you know. With the, with the value, unless the client thinks that uh, it comes up with a figure that doesn't make any sense to me, for whatever reason. Um, but otherwise, a set of rules that you know it's income, it's yields in the market. We all know what they are, so we could come up with an idea of what the value could be, and then it's a discussion with the value, subject to what he he sees and the papers that he go he goes through at the end of the day. So from a housekeeping point of view, you would say to our listeners to get their three years of accounts up to date before they hit the road of finding finance. What are the things that you would advise someone to, to get prepared before, ahead of time? First of all, I would ask a client whether it's got any adverse publicity or any things in the background that I should know about. If there is nothing as such, client is clean, no problem then just, you know, be on top of your papers. That shows that you know what you're talking about. It gives, it, inject, it injects more, um, more uh, confidence when a, cli- when a bank comes across such a client. So it's very important that clients are on top of the, on, you know, on top of the papers. Otherwise... Well, the banks are investing in you, aren't they? So you've got to make sure that you're a good investment. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much for for sharing some of your insight with us. And uh, for any of our listeners who want to uh, talk to Chaim, you'll be able to find his details in our experts directory. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode of the London Property Podcast. Head over to our website where you can browse our exclusive network of top experts driving the market. As a member, you'll have direct access to our experts and their networks. Our award-winning content will help you choose the right professionals for your needs and make informed decisions about your investments. 
Personal recommendations are a powerful tool in connecting with trusted professionals. Let us introduce you to the right people to help you achieve your real estate goals. Contact us now to learn more about becoming a member and gaining access to these valuable resources or joining our directory of experts.